um, I did hear that about a month ago. My awesome husband, Pastor Dustin, was here and told you that he was such a thoughtful guy, and he brought home a Snickers bar to me one night, right? Yeah, he thought it said hot. It said hot mess. And so, um, however, I wanted to just uh, vindicate him a little bit. He, uh, he did bring home a new one. Go ahead. And uh, said princess on it. So I decided to take that in the best possible way, right? Because when you're hungry, you know, you could be called, wow, what a princess. But we decided to think, yeah, princess. So uh, I do have that in my Bible as a reminder that I'm a princess in his eyes. And so it worked out great. <laughs> but um, I just want to let you guys know, bring you a little quick report of the rest of this church the short ones, okay? Uh, we're so, we have the best kids ever. And this is our nursery church. They're awesome. Aren't they good? They're so great. And as you can see, even the toddlers, the little babies, they gather together. They hear the word of God. Oftentimes it's the same message you're hearing here, but it's broken into little pieces for them. And we give them a principle of the word of God that they can even begin to soak to their spirit. When we pray before service, we pray that we're touching their spirit, man. That spirit, man, is just as big as yours. And it is receiving the word of God so that when they get now to preschool, they have been building on that foundation. You see, they love to worship. They lift their hands, they clap, they jump, they see that one on the right, they bring their tithe. They can tell you what a tithe is, and they love to give. They don't care how much it is, but if they can drop something in there, they're so excited. And they hear the word of God, we tell them something that they can go home and do that very day. And it builds into elementary. We get into elementary church, man, those guys are worshipers. They love to raise their hands. We can see they're praying for each other. They believe that God is powerful. And that's the great thing about kids is that they believe what you tell them. And they believe God is a good God. They believe he's powerful and they love him. And they will give. They love those. You can go quiz those guys and they'll tell you everything you want to know about giving tithes and offerings, why we worship, who God is. And it's so exciting to be with them, you guys. It is the best part of my week. And God is growing that church. He is growing. There are so many kids that are coming in. And we have a great team. We have some great leaders in place. We have great assistants. But I'll tell you what, we need some more. We have options open, okay? And let me tell you, one of those kids you just saw could very well be the next president of the United States. One of those kids you just saw could be a doctor who's leaning over you one day operating. And I tell you what, I like one of those people to be somebody who knows God. We're going to pay it forward. We're going to begin to work with those kids. Let me tell you something. Every aspect of that ministry builds up to the final product. Okay, giving a child a crayon, giving them a drink of water, playing with them, sitting with them in their small group. It all begins to add up into something that is powerful. And there's something for everybody to come see me. Okay, we'll plug you in there. Good commercial, right? (laughs) All right. Hey, let's bow our heads and pray. Okay, Father God, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. Lord, you made it just for us and we thank you for that. We know that you've already been to this day, and it's in your hands. And so right now, Lord God, we lay aside every distraction, every care, every worry, every goal, everything, Lord God. And we trust you with it, enough to put them in your capable hands. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We ask you to speak to us today. Bring something new to our hearts, Lord God. We praise you because you're such a good God. You're so awesome and mighty, and we give you glory today, Father God. We ask you to have your way in our midst today. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to take a look at this passage. It's in Acts 16, and it's verses 1 through 5. 
It says, Paul first went to Derb, Derby. He didn't go to the Derby and I bet, okay? He went to this place. <laughs> and they went to Lystra where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Now we're going to flip to one more verse. It's in 2 Timothy 1.5. It says, I remember your genuine faith, Timothy, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. Now here at City Church, for the past couple of months, we've been looking at the Acts Church after the resurrection, right? There was amazing things happening. The Holy Spirit had fallen on them. People were meeting in churches. They were going to homes and having small group meetings. The word of God was alive and flowing. And Jesus' disciples, the apostles, and other believers began to go out from Jerusalem into other cities and Judea and beyond. And they began to spread the word of God and encourage the churches in those places. And the past couple of weeks or month even, I've been reading more the middle to the end of Acts. And this story that we just read came to my attention and I couldn't I couldn't look past it and if you see there in those words remember that said that he saw a young disciple and young actually we're going to look at that word in a second but right now it's saying that he was Timothy was a young guy he was about 18 or 20 and I don't know about you guys but man the more birthdays I have the younger people starting to look (laughs) you know what I'm saying we go to like a store a restaurant I'm like are they hiring 12 year olds these days or what (laughs) It hurts a little bit, I'll tell you that. It really does. So time kind of, you know, your viewpoint kind of changes. You begin to see age is a little different thing here. But Timothy was actually very young. And it said a disciple. He was the disciple by. He hadn't been out with Tim, with Paul and the guys yet. He hadn't even seen them. Briefly. He was with his mother and his grandmother. Before Timothy even arrived on the scene, he was already known as a disciple. A follower of Jesus. Already. And it says then that he was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. And that implies that he had already begun to carry out conversations with the believers in those churches. He had already begun to have conversation and begun to have connection with them already. He didn't wait to be asked to do that. He just went and did it. And he didn't wait till he had a double major in theology and public relations. He went and he did it. He didn't wait till he was old enough to drive or thought he was the right age to go and do that kind of stuff for the Lord. He just went out and he did it. He was living his life out in front of people. And that's why Paul says to him later, don't let anyone despise your youth. Don't let anybody look down on you. And you know what? I was thinking about this this morning. In Proverbs 20, verse 11, it says, It is by his deeds that a lad, great word, right? A lad distinguishes himself. If his conduct is pure and right. So that tells us that Timothy had already been doing stuff for God. Because he was already known as a disciple of God. He was already known by those true churches. So that means he had been doing stuff for God. A teenager doing stuff for God? Yeah, right? It can happen. And you better watch out, you guys. The kids that are in your home. The youth that are here, the college kids around here, everybody can be a builder in the house of God. Every one of those kids can go out this week and tell their friends about Jesus. 
I tell them every week, if I go to your school and try to do, tell people about God, they might think I'm a weirdo. Uh, you know, somebody, you don't see a lot of adults, but the kids can get right in there and tell somebody about Jesus. And I want to tell you something. There's a little four-year-old in our preschool church who I found out went home one Sunday and gathered her family together and she had them all seated. And then she stood up on this little bit higher area and she began to teach them about the Holy Spirit. Right? That's right. You better believe it. There's power in those guys. And she began to lay hands on her mom and she saw her mom get healed. It's powerful. The youth line is not just about age. When it says he was a young disciple, it's not just about how old you are physically. Okay? It goes beyond that. Think about the people who are young in their relationship with the Lord. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's somebody in your small group. Maybe that's somebody who's going to walk in these doors next Sunday. They are young in their relationship with God, but they can do something for God. Right? Last Sunday, Pastor Jerry talked about having known the Lord for how long? 55 years. But he will be the first to tell you that you don't have to be saved that long to do something for God. He will tell you that when he first met the Lord, he was hungry to do something for Jesus. He hadn't dreamed at all about being a pastor one day. He loved politics and history and uh, relations with, uh, he was working and all that stuff, but he still loved God. And he still as a teenager began to serve God and do stuff in the church. Think about the people in your small group right now. Think about the person that you meet on the job or in the neighborhood. Maybe they don't know the Lord that much, but they can do something for God. And you can help be a part of that. All of us can spread the gospel. All of us can disciple somebody else. And just let me know, tell you again about the kids. In City Kids, they beg to be a small group leader. Can I be a leader? Can I be a leader? And of course we say yes, because we want them to grow up and sit next to you one day when they're 20. And we're all the same age or younger, right? And they're on the edge of their seat saying, i got a small group going. I'm telling people about Jesus. Okay, it doesn't matter how long or how short we've known the Lord. It doesn't matter how old we are, but what's it going to take? What is it going to take? If we look at that passage again, 2 Timothy 1.5. Okay, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother and your mother. I know the same faith, okay? It was the faith that they had. And the faith is a confident persuasion, a hope that what God says is actually true. It's just believing and hanging on to those promises of God. And let's look at this other one, 2 Timothy 3.15. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus. The power of the Bible, the living, alive Word of God, is what brings the revelation we need. It tells us how to live God's way and how to then trust him while we do it. There is another verse, Hebrews 4.12. It says the word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Even the one Pastor Chris carries around in his pocket. Don't mess with that guy. It cuts, get this, you guys, between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The word of God is alive. You don't have to breathe into it. You don't have to do a thing to it. It's already alive. It's living. And it cuts into your marrow. I thought about you. 
in you. It cuts into your marrow. It's alive going into your marrow. Do you get it? And it is bringing life to you. And sometimes when we feel, oh, all emotional about something, or crazy, or not sure, or scared, and that word of God comes in, and it says, there it is, it's dividing. That's how you feel, but this is the word of God. It tells you what you need to know what to do with God. If he says, do something, you're like, oh, I don't know. You know that word of God comes in and slices it off and says, that's fear. That's the word of God. Okay? The word of God is powerful. Really powerful. (laughs) Makes papers move. And you know what else? When it does that dividing of stuff, of soul, your emotions, and the spirit, it begins to help us see who God is. You got it? It helps us see God is able to do everything he said. He can do it. And you know what? When Timothy grew up, there was an atmosphere. There was an environment in his home, in his home life, his home life that spoke words of faith, not fear. That's the Bible, words of faith. It was a home life that acted in obedience to God and his directives. For living the Bible. It was a home life that trusted God would supply all they had need of. It was a home life that shared all they had with others. You see that in the book of Acts. The church shared, they shared everything. And you don't ever see anybody worried about how they were going to survive the next day. Or, you know, the people that did hold back and lied about it. Don't do that. (laughs) Trust God, okay? The home life in Timothy was committed to being part of a church and a small group. They went all the time. That atmosphere in his home was the same atmosphere that was in his church. The same atmosphere that was in all their little small groups that met in those homes. He lived that same atmosphere Sunday to Sunday. Everywhere. And you guys know what happens if you've got an atmosphere where there's two different fronts happening. You know, we live in Nebraska. We see it a couple times a year. There's a storm that begins to brew. Okay? If our home life or our work life or whatever has this kind of atmosphere and we've got our church atmosphere over here and if they begin to collide, what's going to happen? At the very least, somebody's going to get wet, right? And the very worst is the roof's going to blow off the house. It doesn't work. You got to have the same atmosphere everywhere. The atmosphere, the growth, the stability, the life of the Acts church wasn't about some religious leader. Jesus put all that to the side. It wasn't even about some couple of really awesome pastors or, or leaders. It wasn't about that. It was about day-to-day, ordinary, run-of-the-mill people who met Jesus, who experienced God's Spirit touch their life, who experienced them, God, in a real way. And they went on to live authentic lives as disciples of Jesus. That's all they did. And what does it mean to be a disciple? It means you're passing something on to somebody else. You're modeling your life in a certain way that somebody else decides they want to do it too. That's a disciple. That's a disciple. And the reaction of that goes on and on and on. Let me tell you something about those pictures you saw with the kids. You probably saw some of the younger ones, right? Helping, like Judah. Well, let me tell you, Judah's what? 13. So let's back it up a little. 13 years ago, he was a baby in the nursery. Somebody was loving on him, right? Okay, then 10 years ago, 8 years ago, Miss Laura was in there teaching him. And now you see the fruit, right? It's pretty amazing, okay? That's discipling somebody. 
That's all it takes. Okay? Timothy had just been living his life out every day, day after day, just like his mother and his grandmother. It says Paul saw the faith of his grandmother and his mother, and he saw it. It was passed on. Let's pause here for a second. Okay? If you're a guy sitting here, watch Timothy's example. He was a guy who imitated the spiritual lifestyle of two women. Okay? If you're a guy sitting here and you don't have a male role model, but you have female role models in your life, take heart. You can be like Timothy. You can pattern your spiritual walk after them. Right? Timothy began, he changed the world. He wrote six books with Paul. He had two books from Paul written just to him. You can do it too. Be encouraged. His faith continues strong, and it says only because of his grandmother and his mother. That's why. Now, if you think about it, if those two ladies had a Facebook page, right, what would they be followed for? What would they be, how many followers would they have? What would people be following them after, following them for? What would they be trying to get from those ladies? And I know if we believe so strongly in all those products and methods and quotes and great leaders that we all follow on Facebook, and it's all very good because, hey, I love essential oils as much as the next person. Pepper is my favorite, okay? But however, then we need to believe even more strongly in the power of God to save, in the power of God to heal, in the power of God to break bondages and addictions, the power of God, right? It's real. And we have got to pass it on to the next generation. The next generation of believers that are walking in those doors need somebody to hold their hand for a second. Uh, the next generation in our homes, the next generation that's meeting right now in these rooms and that meets here on Wednesday nights, we are like Lois and Eunice. We are imitatable. It's okay. I'm an English major. I have the authority to do that. I can make up words, okay? It's on a paper. It's official. Okay? They were imitatable. We also can be imitatable. And the thing is, if you look here at 2 Timothy 3 and 14 and a little bit of 15, okay, it talks about they were known. You must remain faithful, Paul says to Timothy, to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Lois and Eunice were known too. They had already been known by Paul to be people who could be trusted with the word of God. They showed it by their lives, and their lives showed up in Timothy. Okay? They were teaching that young little baby boy. That little tiny baby. Okay? They weren't any, like, superwoman, supergirl and wonder woman living in the same house. They were ordinary women who loved the Lord. And Timothy's first baby book was the Bible. You know, that's why people learn to read, right? It's so they could read the Bible. It's a true story. Okay, they begin to feed him. And with the word of God, when he falls and scrape his knee, they begin to quote, you're healed. You're healed in the name of Jesus. They begin to quote scripture over him. Pray for him. you got to imagine it's true. In his childhood years, a teen, young teen, they begin to really pray. Pray over that guy, okay? But they begin to imply the word of God to his life. We don't know how long they'd been Christians when he was born. But if you look at his age and you look at all the times Paul visited the churches and all of that, you can get a pretty good guesstimate that they hadn't been saved that long. Maybe a decent amount of time, five or six years, but not forever, not 55. They didn't have a degree. They didn't even work in the church. But they had the authority, and they knew in their heart that they could train up that young man like you do with your kids. You parents are in control. You guys have the authority over your children. Okay, they can't hear me say this unless they watch it later, but it's true. You guys are in control. You take control over your kids spiritually, and you tell the enemy to back off, or you're going to kick some, you know, take some names. Okay? 
you guys are totally the leaders of your home. And if you're a small group leader here today, or if you're anybody sitting in these chairs, you also have spiritual authority. You can raise up spiritual kids right now. You don't have to work in the office. You don't have to work here. You don't have to have a theological degree. You can begin to train up people for the Lord now. Right? It's a true story. You can do it. And there's going to be people coming in those doors that if we don't as a group, as a church, effectively reach out to them, they're going to be gone. And that's not the vision of this house. That's not what God's called us to do as Christians, okay? So those two ladies, they did it within their sphere of influence, correct? They did it in their home. And it reached thousands and thousands of people. When Timothy showed up on the scene and Paul noticed him, he didn't just suddenly kaboom. There he was. He had already been a disciple. He had already been doing things for the Lord. He was just living his life, loving his God, reading his Bible and loving people and acting just like his grandmother and his mother. He was well known of. And it says Timothy was the first of the second generation Christian ever mentioned. However, it also says Timothy was considered a half-breed. I could say that, right? (laughs) By the Jews, because his mother was a Christian and his father was Greek. And guess what? His name, Timothy, was Greek also. But it meant one who honors God. Now, you've got to imagine. His father's Greek. Nobody knows quite for sure if he was like a strong Greek or he was the Greek that got converted. But he's not really mentioned. So whether his mother was saved when she had him and said, Okay, Dad, you're in control of this house. Uh... You, so, of course, he's going to pick a Greek name. But maybe she got in there and said, hey, let's pick Timothy, you know, because she knew what it meant. But regardless of that, even if it didn't happen that way, God is sovereign. He knew Timothy's life. Timothy's name became Timothy, and it, it panned out. You guys, prophetically pray over your kids. Prophetically pray over your small group. It's powerful. God is there, okay? Timothy wasn't the strongest physical person. It says, uh, Paul wrote to him and said, you're sick so often. Drink this, do that. Timothy was emotional, In a good way, not in a Snickers way, okay? (laughs) He wasn't like some big, strong he-man on the inside or the outside. Everything in the natural about him and everything in the culture pointed to somebody who might only be able to make it just so far. But God had other plans. In the spiritual, in God's eyes, Timothy was strong. Timothy was free of labels. There was something that had been planted inside of Timothy and nurtured inside of him, and it was the Word of God. There was something that had been poured into Timothy. It was the Holy Spirit. And those things always supersede anything in the physical world that says you can't do it. Timothy was going to rock the world. And it happened because two people chose to live their ordinary lives in an extraordinary way every day. They didn't have a degree, like we said. They didn't have anything that would think that you could. they could raise up a person who was going to do so much. But they did have Jesus. They had the Holy Spirit. They had the Bible. They went to church. They went to small group. They had relationship with each other. You can't do it alone. They lived their lives, their regular, daily, ordinary lives, but they were faithful to the Lord and obedient to his word. They walked talked and breathed with integrity. They were the same at home as they were at church. Uh Uh-huh. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. But when your actions speak so loud, don't they? They do. And when you're in a relationship with somebody, your kid, your spouse, your coworker, whatever, small group person, your actions speak so loud. And they're effective. 
But check this out, you guys. Because of all that Lois and Eunice did, let's look at the end of that verse, Acts 16, 4 and 5 again. Check out what happened because they did. Then they, and that's Paul and Timothy and all the guys, they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders. So the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they grew larger every day. That is powerful. Don't think for a second that what you do for God goes unnoticed. Don't think for a second that wherever you are is not being effective. God puts you in that place for a reason, and he's going to do something powerful if you'll let him. You are here for a reason. You are not here just to survive, just to go dragging into heaven one day, right? Say, whoo, I made it. Good for you, okay? You are here to impact somebody else's life for eternity. You are here to make a change of, you leave a footprint somewhere, we'll leave it on eternity. It doesn't require you to be perfect, but it requires you to seek God's will for your life and then obey it. It doesn't require you to have a fancy degree, but it does require you to be a student of the word of God. It doesn't require you to have all the answers, but it does require you to be filled with the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. And Timothy, guess what? He turned out great. He was, he, two books, like I said, of the Bible were written to him. Just him. And we all get to read it. He co-authored six books with Paul. Talk about having your name on the cover with somebody cool, right? Paul. Six books. He's probably the disciples going, nah, 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 probably not. But he had six books he co-authored with him, okay? And he was known as Paul's son in the faith. Guess what? Remember Timothy's dad was Greek? He wasn't even a huge player in Timothy's upbringing. But God had Timothy covered. He brought him a new dad, a spiritual dad. If you're missing a piece in your family today, or your small group, or your ministry, don't you worry, God has you covered. God will always fill in the pieces that are missing. And you don't have to wait till those pieces are filled to do something for God. You do something for God, he'll fill it in. When you follow God by being a disciple, when you serve him by discipling others, he will not leave you or your dear ones wanting for anything. Do you understand that? It doesn't go the other way where when we have all we need, then we do something for God because we never be doing anything for God, right? When we do stuff for God, he fills in everything that we have need of. Maybe not everything we want, but everything we need. Right? That's the key. Now, I want to give you an example of some real-life people here. This is really cool. Okay? You guys heard of Edward Kimball? He was a Sunday school teacher. He, a long, long time ago, he prayed for, guess what, the hyper boys in his Sunday school class. We have none of those here, by the way. None. <laughs> One especially of those boys did not understand his need for God. So Kimball took time on his own, and he visited this guy at his job. He worked at a shoe store, began to explain to him the gospel, why he needed God. The young man accepted Christ. His name was Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody began to do his own ministry. Over time, he affected two continents for God and thousands of people. One of the people that he touched was Wilbur Chapman. He was an evangelist, preached to thousands of people. One day, a pro ball player attended his meeting, got saved. Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday eventually quit baseball, joined Chapman. They ministered together for a time. Then they were led by God to begin their own crusades and ministries. And one of the guys that got saved under him was Mordecai Ham. 
Mordecai Ham was an evangelist who also reached thousands of people. The funny thing about him is he was not above renting a hearse and driving through town announcing his meetings. (laughs) Whatever strikes you, okay? (laughs) I'm not saying to do that, so... Uh, but it, here's the thing, though, okay? At one point, he came to New York or to uh, North Carolina. And he began to do his crusades there. And he began to talk in his crusades about a house of ill repute. You all know what that is, right? It was across the street from a high school. And he found out that students were going over there during school or after school to that house. And so, of course, students heard about what he was saying. And they decided they were going to go disrupt his meetings. And I'm sure none of them were the ones who were accused of going, right? So there's a young man named Billy Frank who decided to go and just see what was going to happen. He had been, he knew the meetings were going on, but he'd always said, I'm not going to go, not going, I don't need it. But when he heard it out there might be a rumble, he decided to go watch. And his name was actually Billy Graham. Billy Graham has preached to more people than the Apostle Paul. But it was because Edward Kimball decided to go after a hyper boy. And to preach the gospel to him. Okay? Now there's a saying that I want to end with. You all know about apples, right? You can count the apples on a tree. But who can count the apples in a seed? Right? If you have an apple seed, you have an apple here. We know what an apple does. But when you look inside and you find the seeds, one seed alone can grow a tree. One tree alone can produce thousands of apples every season, season after season after season. Each one of those apples has, I don't know, however many seeds inside of it, and it goes on and on. If you will be just one seed where you are, what's your sphere of influence? Where are the people? Where do you live? Where do you do life? Who is around you? And start there. Start with your family. Start with the people in your job. Start with the family ministries that are here. And do something. Start with your small group. But be that seed that God can use to multiply. Amen? God is a good God. He's faithful. When we just put our part out there, he does the rest. Amen. Amen.